People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Welcome back for part two of our Game Week 6 episode of Premier League Insights. I'm here with Jake Osgathorpe again to go through the final five fixtures of Game Week 6 and see if there's any value on offer in the betting market. Are you good to go, Jake? Yeah, good to go. A couple of decent games on the Sunday for sure. That's it. We'll, we'll dive straight into it with Southampton versus Everton. Um, two teams that personally I had profiled as quite similar at the start of the season. Disappointing finishing position, but some decent performances from them in the previous campaign. Everton, I mean, they they really crashed after the restart, after looking so good when Ancelotti first came in. They've bounced back and they they do look great this season. They're still unbeaten, um, sitting top of the table, and it's it's not by luck either. The, I think the defence certainly needs some work if they're to to hang around. Top four might be a stretch, but to to stick with the the top six as the season goes on. But the the potential is certainly there. Um, as for Southampton. They haven't been as bad as their current position suggests, but I almost feel like that's kind of the the phrase that tends to now go along with them after the last few seasons. It's it seems to be quite consistent that they they perform better, or, or the underlying process and numbers suggest they're better than where they are in the table. And maybe there's there's more to it than that. Um, they did do well against Chelsea. For me, they're yet to really impress and. I mean, it's fairly mediocre in terms of both attack and defence at the moment. 1.46 xG for per game, 1.28 xG per game against. Um, it's pretty much a mid-table process, isn't it? But in terms of this game, it's it's one of the most interesting games of the weekend for me. The, the odds make it all the more interesting. It's Southampton are the slight underdogs at 3.02, um, and that's a 33% win probability for them. Everton have the edge according to the market, despite being on the road. They're at 2.42, so nearly a 40% chance of the win for them. Um, and the total is, I mean, it's its relatively low at 2 and 2.5. And it's one where I think we could really see an open game here. But I'll go over to you, Jake. What do the, what do the info goal numbers suggest for this? Yeah, same as what you've just said there. Quite an interesting game from um, quite a few different perspectives. Obviously, the market, the fact that Everton are favourites at St Mary's. Uh, the Infocom model does disagree on that front. We make Southampton favourites to get the victory. Um, 39% chance of a Saints win compared to the 33 that you've just quoted there. So there is value there in backing Southampton. And I think that that's probably down to the fact that, like you said, that we rated these two teams fairly evenly at the start of this season. And, and to be honest, I haven't seen too much to make me sit, think that, 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 that they're not they're too far away from each other. I know Everton have, have impressed, obviously, with the, their results in particular. And, and the goal scoring, but um, it's fair to say that they've had a fairly easy schedule in between uh, the games against Tottenham and Liverpool, playing West Brom, Crystal Palace, and Brighton. Obviously, Brighton are a team that we rate quite highly, but that was that game was at home against Crystal Palace. They, um, you know, I've just suggested that um, in the previous podcast that Crystal Palace are one of the worst attacking teams, so it wasn't a really big scalp to go there and get a victory. And obviously, beating West Brom seems to be. Um, pretty much the norm at the moment. So there isn't. I, I'm still not seeing too much between these two sides. I think Southampton, given the way in, they, in which they play, the intensity of their press, 
they'll only get better as the weeks roll on. Um, and I think that that's what you're starting to see uh, after a pretty sluggish start against Crystal Palace in particular. They were pretty poor. Um, but against Tottenham in that first half, they were impressive. Could have been two two or three up at half time. Um, obviously, some clinical finishing from Tottenham uh, really did put that game to bed. But since then, they've looked pretty, pretty sound. Um, really good against Burnley, really good against West Brom. Obviously, two teams that they should be beating anyway. Um, and then against Chelsea, the, the way in which they fought back um, created um, equal amount of chances to Chelsea, 1.84 XG to 1.81 XG in Chelsea's favour. So marginally, Chelsea won the XG battle. But um, going to Stamford Bridge and getting a point was a really impressive result. And I, I do think that they have perhaps been slightly underrated in, in this market uh, in the, for this game. Uh, and that Everton have perhaps been slightly overrated. I mean, you mentioned there that their, their uh, XG process is, is mediocre at the moment. Um, Southampton's, which is fair, but if you compare that to last season, uh, this is a much, much better uh, process and much more improved based on the fact that last season they were conceding nearly one, one and a half expected goals against per game. So that has, has reduced. And if that continues to do so, then it should be a, a much more comfortable season for Southampton. Everton, have, like I said, really impressive in terms of the, the attacking numbers in particular, averaging 2.14 expected goals for per game. But they were comfortably second best against Liverpool. Um, they only had a couple of decent chances, one from a set piece, one from a counter-attack. Uh, and, and they got themselves a 2-2 draw, but they did concede quite a, a lot of chances in that match um, to, to follow off on from the fact that they conceded good chances against Brighton as well. So there are defensive frailties there. Um, like I said, Southampton is, is are the value play from a 1x2 perspective. But if you want a bit more security, then take on Southampton, um, double chance or, or maybe even uh, on, a, on a handicap. In terms of the goal market, you said that it, it is quite low as, uh, at the moment, but uh, you're getting a 53% chance of over two and a half based on on what the market is suggesting. The model goes 49% chance of over. So we actually make the under 2.5 goal mark the, the favourite in this game. Uh, which is a little bit surprising. But like I said, these two teams are rated quite similar. So um, usually when you get two teams that are similar, they do tend to cancel each other out. And that could well be the case um, in this one. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. Uh, obviously, the same goes for both teams to score as well, which is extremely short, around a 59% chance of that happening. Models at 53%. So if you were to uh, side against both teams to score, that would also be a value play. But um, in what is a very tough game to call and a very tight one, um, between two sides who I think are very capable of, of potentially finishing within the top eight, um, you know the value is, is is definitely with siding with Southampton at the current prices. Yeah, I think it's really it's the not just how the two are performing, but the the tactical matchup as you've mentioned there, and how these two actually kind of sort of suit each other in a way to play against and very similar as well. And I'd, I'd be interested to know, and this is kind of we we had a bit of a joke last season when we were talking about. Leicester and and when they were doing well a couple of games into the season you you mentioned their top eight do you think that's the limit for these two teams or is there a way that you see someone like Everton maybe breaking into that top six we I think we mentioned at the start of the season there's often a lot of hype around them obviously there's been some some drastic odds movement in there on them in terms of the title the top four and things like that is is top six a, a real possibility for them? Yeah, they've got every chance to get in the top six. Obviously, they've they've got off to a fantastic start. The process is really impressive, um, and they sit third in, in the expected goals table through five matches. Got a couple of tough games out of the way as well. A trip to Tottenham, a home game against Liverpool, which bodes very well for them moving forward. Um, the Infco model currently has them forecast eighth, and that is a, an improvement on the um, on the tenth that we had them at the start of the season. 
And I, I think that that forecast position will keep creeping up as long as they keep putting in the similar level of performance to what we've seen. I think that the, the way in which they've strengthened in the summer is is very good. I think that the only issue I have with them is um, a lack of depth in certain areas. Obviously, James Rodriguez in particular, if he is unfit or unavailable, then you know you're looking at the, the same old players from last season that really struggled, like of Bernard and Iwobi. So um, it'd be interesting to see what happens this weekend. Obviously, Richarlison is suspended. He's obviously one of their better players um, from an attacking standpoint. So it'd be interesting to see how they cope with with him not playing. Um, the other issue I have with Everton is the goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford. Obviously, he he made a couple of decent saves in the derby at the weekend. But he also, um, if you remember for the disallowed goal, made an absolute clanger. The one went straight underneath his body. Um, and he is capable of that. And obviously, the, the recklessness of his tackle, which could have seen him sent off in the first half that injured Van Dijk. He's got that sort of... Um, how to put it, it, that sort of temperament where he's just so hyped up all the time and you just want your goalkeeper to be chilled out, calming influence, and, and I don't see that with him. So um, he's a big worry for me in Everton's aspirations this season. Obviously, they brought in Robin Olsen on loan from Roma, who I think is probably a better goalkeeper than Pickford. Um, and if you know if Pickford continues to perform questionably, then I, I see Ancelotti throwing him in and that probably would strengthen their chances. But... Um, from what I've seen so far, they're definitely in with a shout of a top six finish. Um, yeah, uh, I don't see them winning the title at all. I don't think they've got a deep enough squad. I can't see them hanging on to a top four spot, but fifth or sixth is definitely doable, um, given what I've seen so far. Right, well, on to Wolves versus Newcastle. And we've got InfoGoal's highlight fixture for the weekend with this one. Obviously, we covered Pinnacle's highlight fixture in part one of this episode, but... This one, for me, I, I saw the other day, I, I couldn't quite believe it when I read that Wolves have made their best start to a Premier League season ever. And I think they're on like nine points from five games. Now, whether that shows how difficult their starts have been in the past or just kind of how far they've come to when they used to be in the Premier League, I'm not quite sure. Um, but, I mean, they've got the results. They've got wins. It's It's been far from easy for them. And for once, I feel like... They're actually on the right end of some luck as opposed to maybe not getting what their performances have deserved over the past kind of two seasons. Um, it's another one here that they they should win and, and potentially a game where they put in the type of performances that we have seen from them over the last couple of seasons. I, I say that because Newcastle, I mean, they started well with that win against West Ham. They... Was it Burnley that I think they got the win against? Um, but there's there's certainly some warning signs there with some of the other results and, and in particular the performances as well. Um, it's not as bad as it was at this point last season, but they've also played some easier teams. Um, they have got a lot more about them going forward, but the defence is looking pretty poor. And if you, if you give away chances, you just make it all the more difficult to win matches. It's, it's really as simple as that. Um the odds have Wolves, they are odds on, um, perhaps not as short as people might expect. They're, they're currently 1.806, um, so a 55% chance of the win for them. Newcastle get just an 18% win probability with odds of 5.36, and the draw is 3.57, which equates to a 27% chance. Um, another one, like the, the game we just talked about, it's interesting to see a low total of, of 2 and 2.5. I mentioned that Newcastle have, have had defensive struggles, I guess maybe that the contrast to that is Wolves haven't quite clicked going forward, which is maybe why it's a, a low total. 
It is the InfoGoal highlight game. I think the play here should be an obvious one. Don't tell me you're going against Wolves here, Jake. No, no, we're not. We're, we are signing with Nuno Espirito Santos, Portuguese Warriors. Um, I just think that the price that you quoted there is, is massive, really, in this game. Uh, Wolves, they had that two-game two dodgy period where they didn't look like themselves. They conceded quite a few good chances against Manchester City and West Ham, obviously, Conceded seven goals in that in that period as well, but either side of that, they've looked um, exactly what we would have expected from them and what we what they showed from us last season, which is a resolute, well organised unit um, that has some real individual quality going forward. Um, three clean sheets in those three matches, three wins. Uh, you know, create they created plenty of chances across those matches as well. So, um, you know, there was a lot of people writing them off before the season started, which I thought was was bizarre, just based on the fact that they sold Matt Doherty, but. Um, he's sat on the bench and can't get a game for Tottenham. So I think that tells you more about the fact that Doherty suited Wolves' system as opposed to Wolves were heavily reliant on Doherty. Um, and, you know, I, I think that they are in a in a very good place. Diogo Jota was obviously one of their better players. He's left, but I've got to be honest, I like what I've seen from um, Daniel Pedence. I think he's, he looks a very similar player to Jota in the sense he's got a low centre of gravity and very, very direct with a, a runner of the football. Pedro Neto is in a similar mould as well. So I don't think they've missed out too much there. Um, and yeah, they're just extremely strong. I think defensively is, is, is obviously their main asset. Uh, they were the second best defensive team in the Premier League last season based on expected goals. While they haven't quite hit those heights just yet this season, uh, mainly due to those two matches against City and West Ham, um, you know, I, I fully expect them to, to get close to it. And, and this is a really good game for them to keep another clean sheet in because although you said Newcastle have, have looked a little bit better in attack, um, they're overall so far they've averaged 1.21 expected goals for per game. That is very similar to what they posted last season, but um, they've had a quite a few penalties. Two penalties is what, um, in five matches. If you look at non-penalty expected goals, they've averaged just 0.88 non-penalty expected goals for per game, which is uh, a really worrying total. Uh, if you're Newcastle, given the fact that they've actually obviously brought in quite a few uh, fresh attacking faces, like Sir Fraser and, and Callum Wilson, so says to me that the system Bruce is operating still isn't um, isn't working. The approach he's taking isn't the best for the for the team that he's got. And unfortunately for Newcastle, while they sit um, on seven points through five matches, they've been one of the worst teams in the Premier League yet again, which is um, something that we're coming very accustomed to with Steve Bruce and Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle on the whole, really, because even when Rafa Benitez was there, they were um, they were overperforming based on on XG. Last time out against Manchester United, they were absolutely pummeled and peppered with shots. I think Manchester United had 28 shots in total in that match. Um, Newcastle managed just seven. One big chance for, for Newcastle, one big chance for Manchester United. But um, yeah, it's the consistency in, in terms of creating the chances. They were pretty good against Burnley uh, in the game prior, which you mentioned, in a deserved victory. They were okay against West Ham on opening day. Uh, I think that victory has definitely flattered them somewhat, and obviously West Ham have gone on to do much better things. Uh, but either you know they, they've had some really poor performances in there against Brighton. They were shocking uh, at home. 0.63 expected goals they created at home against Brighton. Uh, at Spurs, they allowed three and a half expected goals and, and created just 0.27 non-penalty xG themselves. And obviously the game last weekend against Manchester United. So I'm not expecting Newcastle to cause too many problems for this Wolves team um, in terms of attack. Um, and you said it there, defensively, they're still far from 
far from solid. 1.85 expected goals against per game is what they've conceded so far this season. So, um, yeah, everything to me really points to a uh, what will probably be another narrow Wolves win. But if Wolves score, or score first in particular, then you would have to think that that game is over, given the way that Wolves have, uh, have played in recent weeks and the way that we've seen them uh, play all you know over three seasons now since being in the top flight. Goal line is rightly low, 58% chance of the under two and a half on the market, 56 on the on the model, pretty much in line. Uh, and the same with both teams to score, really. 46% chance of both teams to score. Yes, we're at a 44% chance. So not many goals expected. Uh, Wolves to win. And although that is odds on, like you said, it is a it is a value price. We're giving them a 58% chance of winning compared to the 54 or 55 that you quoted. Uh, and you know what, well, even if a slightly bigger price, maybe chant, worth chanting a Wolves to win to nil, given the fact that Newcastle haven't looked particularly impressive uh, in attack and Wolves do look solid at the back. Well, yeah, I mean, it does look like the obvious pick, doesn't it? I, I knew as soon as I saw those prices that it would be the likely pick for info goal. And, and unsurprisingly, not to not to be boring, but um, Pinnacle has made the same prediction here. Wolves at 1806 it seems like the obvious play and, and we'll have to find out next week how we get on with those predictions. Right, well, next we've got Arsenal versus Leicester and it's, I mean, it's got to be down as another game that could be a good one to to watch and certainly an, an interesting one to try and analyse. We've we talked a few times about Arsenal's drop-off in terms of their attacking output, the, the focus on kind of shoring things up in midfield and at the back since Arteta came in. I saw a, a pretty crazy stat the other day about Aubameyang's own personal drop-off in terms of his shot output and um, his XG compared to, to previous seasons. It was 2.6. I mean, just looking at the numbers from last season, 2.6 shots per game for him. That's down to 1.2 shots per game this season. Now, I know we're, we're dealing in, in incredibly small samples there on the, the latter number, but it's, it is an indication of one, how he's being used and, and probably two, the way Arsenal were approaching games. Um, it, speaking of drop-offs, I think Leicester, I mean, they had a massive drop-off last season. It looked like it was sorted at the start of this season, but they've they've struggled a bit over the last two games. And it's it's not just that they've lost to West Ham and Aston Villa, but it's that they haven't really created much. And certainly against West Ham, they looked like they were pretty, they could be opened up at will at the back. Um, there's some injury concerns to consider as well. I know there's some some issues at the back. They brought in Fafana as a kind of cover for that, but we we don't really know the extent of Jamie Vardy's indi- uh, injury. There's a midweek fixture thrown into the mix as well. But despite all of that and and the recent performances, I've got to say I'm still pretty shocked to see them at 4.08. I'd I'd be interested to hear your assessment on this one, but it's I feel like they deserve more than a 24% chance of getting the win. Um, Arsenal are just about odds on at 1.943 so it's a 51% chance of them getting three points and despite what we said about the the lack of attacking output from both sides really the total is uh, just above the average mark at 2.5 and 3 some money coming in for the over as well which again is quite surprising to me Um, there's normally value in backing against Arsenal when info goals involved is that the case here again Jake? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's exactly the case. I mean, it's really difficult to to be impressed by Arsenal. I think any uh, so far this season, just you know, they 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 were in the game against Manchester City, but in my opinion, they never looked like scoring, and that that seems to be the case whenever I watch um, this Arsenal team now and this season under Mikel Arteta. Um, every single time I watch them, I am 
underwhelmed. I think that they are um, a well-organised defensive unit that just really struggles to to create any sort of chances. And that, unfortunately, is not going to win uh, win many matches. Uh, it's, it is a little bit drab viewing. Um, you mentioned there Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who obviously... Um, He's not having a great time at the moment. He, he's really struggling in terms of getting uh, chances. His teammates aren't providing anything for him whatsoever. Um, I think so far this season, he's averaged 0.07 expected goals per average match, which is a staggeringly low total for a player of his calibre. A player that um, scored 22 or 23 goals last season. So, yeah, that that for me is probably the most worrying um stats so far for Arsenal is the fact that Aubameyang really isn't getting any chances whatsoever and I think that's probably or well, mostly down to the way that Arteta is deploying him and um, you know he's your best goal scorer he needs to be playing down the middle and getting on the end of chances because we've seen Alexandre Lacazette um, you know make a right meal of a couple of one-on-ones against Liverpool the sort of chances that Aubameyang would probably gobble up so that is a worry um, overall this season they've averaged I think it's 1.2 uh, six, 1.28 expected goals for per game Arsenal, which is um, it's actually worse than last season. Last season was around 1.35. So they've actually started the season in terms of uh, worse in, in attack and only seven teams have ranked rank worse in terms of expected goals for per game so far this season, which is um, again, hugely concerning. Um, and, and, you know, if you're looking at, at that and, and, and saying, well, actually, in terms of defence, there is an improvement. Their expected goals against the game is at 1.38. So they're still playing with a negative process. And that that has been the case for, um, well, ever since Mikel Arteta took over. Um, they've just had quite a bit of positive variance. I mean, you can tell that by just looking at the goals that they've scored. They're averaging 1.6 goals per game. Like I said, 1.28 expected goals uh, four per game, so they're you know they're overperforming by around uh, 0.32 goals per game, um, and defensively they've only conceded 1.2 goals per game, but obviously expected at 1.38 expected goals against per game. So they're overperforming at both ends of the pitch. That is not uh, a sustainable way of playing. Um, I think, like I said, defensively looking a little bit more organised. The way in which they managed City in, in that second half, or, or maybe it was more of a case of Manchester City sitting off and, and being happy just to, to break the game up and, and win 1-0. But nonetheless, they didn't concede too many big chances in that match, which was a positive, um, especially given what we've seen it previously against Liverpool. But overall, um, I've been disappointed. And, and the same goes for Leicester. They got off to such a hot start, obviously winning three in a row, beating Manchester City. But if you dig a little bit deeper into their numbers, it's it, Again, it's really worrying. They, they've had four penalties so far this season in, in five matches and penalties have accounted for 37% of their total XG this season. Um, 1.04 non-penalty expected goals for per game is what they're averaging so far through five matches. Um, so, <laughs> all in all, this is two really poor attacking teams going head-to-head. So, not expecting too many goals and I wouldn't be surprised to see this finish nil-nil um, or even 1-1 or something along those lines. But, it's really hard for me to to get on side with Arsenal at, um, at odds on. The Ivgol model's given them a 40% chance of, of getting the three points compared to the 51%. So there is obviously value in, in backing Leicester to avoid defeat. And, um, you know, although they're, they're having their, their their own little troubles and, and going for a little wobble patch, I do think that they are a team that can be 
uh, very well organised. And I think Brendan Rodgers has the capability of setting them up to be difficult to beat. I think they, um, yeah, they went to Arsenal at the back end of last season with um, Mikel Arteta in charge and played out a 1-1 draw in which um, they finished the, the game, I think Arsenal finished the game with 10 men, but it was a it was a really decent Leicester performance. A draw was a fair result. Um, and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see something very similar between two teams who I think are probably quite evenly matched in terms of um, coaches' ability, in terms of the players and the quality of the players at the squads, um, and in terms of the... Um, priorities, which I don't think neither team really want to be um, a free-flowing attacking unit uh, because I think that they'll both fear being picked off. Yeah, I think one potentially here that not so entertaining maybe in terms of the actual goals being scored or anything like that, but perhaps more entertaining in terms of the the tactical matchup of the two teams and, and seeing how they figure out to, to kind of play each other. We'll move on to Brighton versus West Brom and I think we both talked Brighton up a bit, both before the season and after the first few games, especially with those impressive performances against Manchester United and, and Chelsea. Um, it was another game at the weekend for them where they, they did enough to win, but they just didn't get the result that they deserved. And I kind of mentioned it earlier with Southampton and whether that becomes sort of an underlying theme or, or what they're almost known for. And Brighton could be, the longer this season goes on, they could be in danger of kind of falling into that bracket. They, they, they've looked a lot better going forward um, since Graham Potter came in. And, and even against Palace, they did pretty well defensively. They only gave up one shot, and that was the, the penalty that Zaha scored. It is still early days, and, and if the performances continue at the level that they're currently at, I think the, the results will ultimately follow, and, and they'll begin to climb up the table. And I, I don't see why we, we can't see Brighton sort of mid-table, um, maybe pushing top half, but, but they're safe and, and not really too concerned about relegation. Um, West Brom are, are one team that if the performances continue at the level they're at, then I think we could be on for a challenger for for Derby's record low points total. I think it was at 11 points um, quite a few years back. Um, they have already got two, so they're, they're not too far off it already, but they don't really deserve much more than that. And it can't get much worse than the 0.58 xG for per game and, and 2.3 xG against. So I'd be I'd be interested to know where that kind of sits in the record books and, and maybe we need to give them a bit of time to increase that sample and, and get some improvement in there, but who knows. In terms of the odds for this one, Pinnacle has Brighton as, as the clear favourites at 1.813. Um, that equates to a 53% chance for them. Um, West Brom a 4.50 and, and that's a 22 uh, 23% chance and you've also got 5.05 on the draw um, which is another kind of 25% chance mark um, one that I'm, I'm kind of hoping Brighton and can show up and, and get the result that they've they've clearly deserved after a few decent performances this season does does Infogol think that they're, they're going to do it this weekend we do yeah we've, we've got them uh, down as a 47% chance of winning, so not quite even money or odds on, but definite favourites to win this. And yeah, yeah it, they've been mightily impressive at Brighton so far. Um, fifth in our expected goals table through five matches. Uh, played Chelsea off the park in the first game, won the non-penalty XG battle in that one. Uh, played Manchester United off the park, been um, uh, fortunate to lose again. Conceded an extremely late penalty um, that actually was given after the full-time whistle. Um, but either side of that, they've they've you know hammered Newcastle 
3-0 on the road, really impressive performance. And then that performance against Crystal Palace was um, was really, really impressive. Very measured, um, very dominant, like you said. One one shot for Palace, which came from the penalty. Um, so, yeah, zero non-penalty XG conceded in that match, which is something that we've only seen three times um, at Infogol um, since 2014-15 when we started collecting the data. So, um, you know, they're, they're definitely trending in a really positive direction under Graham Potter. I really like everything that he's doing there. The new system is really working. It's getting the best out of all of his players. He's definitely improving the individual players um, because through through the system. They've got more confidence. Um, and yeah, they, they, their process they're putting up at the moment is definitely that of a top half team. And if they continue playing in the same manner, the results will come. And, you know, the, the fact that they sit fifth in our XG table, having already played Man United, Chelsea and Everton, um, bodes really well for them and, and suggests that if they can start beating these lesser teams, then they will finish in the top half, which I don't think many people thought was was possible pre-season. Um, 1.85 expected goals for, 1.33 against is what they're averaging so far this season. So, yeah, there's a, there's a, lot, a lot to like about them. But um, given, you know, the way that West Brom will probably set up, it is more of a case of will can Brighton break West Brom down. And um, I think that they are probably one of the better teams when playing against a deep block in terms of creativity because they are silky with the way that they move the ball. They play at a high tempo. Uh, I just hope that they can show up and, and really uh, get the three points and do that. West Brom, second point of the season against Burnley. That was probably, I think I saw I saw, I saw a stat that it might, I don't know if it's true or not. I like to think it's true that only 74 people paid to watch the West Brom Burnley game on the pay-per-view. Um, if that is correct, then it's made my day because that is a, <laughs> a really fun stat. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. No, the 74 people really um, got the result that I think many were expecting anyway, which is a goalless draw. Um, a pretty drab game, few chances in it. Nil-nil uh, was a fair result. I think Burnley did create the biggest chance, but um, it was a better defensive performance than West Brom. They conceded, like I said, 1.1 expected goals. That's the best defensive performance of the season so far. Um, it comes after 1.23 expected goals conceded against Southampton. So they are trending in, in, a, in a better direction in terms of um, looking a bit more stable defensively. Uh, but against Burnley, they, they shifted system slightly. They went from a back five, which is what they'd operated in the first um, oh, sorry. No, this happened in, in the previous game against Southampton, where they shifted from a back five to a back four with three holding midfield players, um, and that extra protection looks to have maybe um, you know blocked, plugged a few holes uh, defensively. But obviously, in doing so, you, you are losing your attacking threat altogether, and that's the main issue. I mean, you, you quoted it there: 0.58 expected goals for per game, or 0.57. That is a, a really tragic turn up for through five matches. If they continue at this pace, they will probably be the worst attacking team ever to have played in the Premier League, um, according to expected goals. So, yeah, they've got a lot to work on. And like I said, defensively, while they are improving, they, they do remain vulnerable. I think the the play that I like best in this is uh, is the under two and a half goals. The model's got a 54% chance of under two and a half. The market's at 47%. So there's a huge chunk of value there, really, uh, to back the under two and a half. I know Brighton have been mainly free scoring and have been on, in, on the end of some or been involved in some really high-scoring matches, obviously the 3-1, 3-0, 3-2, 4-2. But I think this West Brom team will just sit in and I can't see West Brom scoring. So it might be a case of Brighton winning narrowly to nil, similar to what I expect Wolves to do. 
I think West Brom's slowly improving defence. I think they could maybe keep the scoreline down. Um, so the under two and a half makes a, a lot of appeal to me at, at those prices. In terms of the both teams to score, um, again, both teams to score no makes a lot of appeal. 50% of both teams to score no, the market's at 45%. So there's value there. Um, so yeah, siding with Brighton in a low scoring game, maybe get them on side with a, a 1-0 or 2-0 correct scoreline as well. Right, and last up, we've got Burnley versus Tottenham and... I mean, just a, a little bit of contrast in terms of the the entertainment value from these two teams at the weekend. We talked about Burnley playing their part in that pretty dull nil nil draw with West Brom, while while Tottenham had that spectacular collapse after leading three nil to then draw three three with West Ham in the well, what was the last kick of the game? Um, we did we had a little bit of a discussion around why Burnley were down as relegation contenders when, from both of our perspectives anyway, they they really shouldn't have been. Um, but I think give it a few more games and some more poor performances and the struggles for results and they are really going to be in the thick of it. And you look back then, you think like that it was it was probably right to have them in that conversation and the, the odds that we saw in terms of relegation contenders. And I know now hindsight is a wonderful thing, um, but it's it's a game here where it's, it's probably going to be difficult for Sean Dyche's side. Um, the odds certainly suggest so as well. They're priced at 5.56 despite being at home. Um, so that gives them an 18% chance of getting the win. Spurs are 1.671, um, giving them nearly a 60% chance. I don't know if it's a simple case of attack versus defence. I mean, Spurs have been scoring for fun at the moment. Obviously, Kane, Son, Bale coming in, Bergwijn, Mora maybe. There's there's plenty of choice there now as well. And they're going to be coming up against what is normally a, a pretty reliable Burnley defence. The total is at 2.5 on this. now. All the action we're seeing at the moment at Pinnacle is is for the over. So I, my guess is here, people are expecting a, a convincing Spurs win. I don't think many, despite Spurs' defensive troubles, will put that down as, as Burnley kind of scoring. Um, but do you think that's what we're going to see? I hope so. I don't want another nil-nil Burnley game. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, the, the model is leaning towards the over as well. And, and I think that that is probably... A sensible play, more due to the fact that Tottenham are uh, free scoring and do look vulnerable defensively, as opposed to Burnley. But let's not forget Burnley have been involved in a four-two and a three-one already. Um, so they've, they've, some of their games have seen goals. The yeah, it's interesting conversations around Burnley. Obviously, the the relegation um, uh, market, the fact that they are now into short or much shorter price than they were pre-season. Um, I just wonder. You know there are the, the results haven't really reflected the performances so far. Let's just say that for a start. Um, I mean they were unfortunate to lose at Leicester based on XG. They were unfortunate to lose to Southampton based on XG, um, and Newcastle's the only game in which they they've been thoroughly outplayed, but according to expected goals, and that's why they you know they've only played four matches. So um, based on on our expected table, uh, they are a game behind in quite a f- uh, quite a few teams. But based on the expected points per game, they're averaging one point one three, which has them above Newcastle, Manchester United, Wolves, Fulham, Crystal Palace, and West Brom. So it isn't the end of the world just yet. Um, but it is worth saying that they have played Leicester and Southampton, two teams that we do like. Um, Newcastle was a disappointing one, and then obviously we would have fancied them to to beat West Brom. Like you said, the speculation around relegation is only going to get stronger. They've got Spurs, uh, then they play Chelsea next week um, before playing away at Brighton. So they've got a tough little run of three fixtures there, um, in which case if they lose all three, 
which the bookmakers will probably have them down as doing, um, then you would have to start questioning quite seriously, uh, you know, whether they are real relegation uh, candidates. Because at the moment, you know, you've got Fulham and West Brom down there, um, who we think are going to be the bottom two. And then it really is going to be between the likes of Sheffield United, um, Burnley, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, and one of those end up um, will end up going down. So it's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on, uh, on the likes of Burnley in particular, because so last season they were so good in terms of process. They're averaging around 1.45 expected goals for per game and conceding just, just slightly more than that, around 1.55. Whereas this season, they struggled to get going in attack, averaging just 0.88 expected goals for um, per game. And I just wonder if that maybe is due to the, the similar thing as to what we've seen with... Um, the likes of Manchester United and Manchester City, just a lack of match sharpness and needing games to get up to speed. Obviously, they they, they finished last season with such a thin squad um, that the players were playing pretty much 90 minutes every week. So they were probably had a, a little bit of burnout. And now we're starting to see some players come back fit. So I think things will start getting better eventually for Burnley. But um, in the meantime, I think they're going to have a little bit of a struggle to, to, to pick up points. Spurs have been one of the most entertaining teams to watch recently. I've got to say, I've been impressed with them from an attacking standpoint in particular. Um, ever since that that first half against Southampton, where they were shocking in the second match, they've been really, really good. They've had, I think, 2.1 expected goals in that second half against Southampton. Followed that with a 3.5 against Newcastle, 3.7 against Manchester United and 1.7 against West Ham. So creating chances isn't an issue for them whatsoever. And I expect that to continue um, throughout the season. Defensively is where they've got issues, though. Um, you know, that mentally switched off in that game against West Ham for the last ten minutes, and it did it cost them uh, two points. Conceded one point five seven expected goals, um, and that is is a bit of a concern. I'm not I'm not sold on the back four that Mourinho is currently playing. Uh, be interesting to see if he sticks with that because he did look in that Manchester United game that they had a nice bit of balance between attack and defence, but um, you know that was Manchester United, probably not at their very best. So, yeah, I think it's a fascinating game. This Spurs averaging two and a half expected goals, four per game, conceding one and a half, which is obviously why we think that goals are the play. A 53% chance of the over two and a half. Markets are around 51, 52. So you've got a small bit of value there. But the model thinks that Spurs are way too short of the prices. Um, Spurs, around 58, 59% chance of winning the game at Turf Moor. Model gives them a 40% chance of doing so. Um you know, Burnley to avoid defeat is a value play. 60% chance of that happening compared to um, 42 on the market. But I don't think I would advise anyone to get on side with that unless you can get um, a little bit bigger on the handicaps. Maybe a plus one and a half Burnley handicap is, is where I would be looking, even though the model suggests plus 0.5. Just purely because what I've seen so far from Burnley hasn't been as impressive as what we saw um, last season in particular. So, just be a little bit wary if you are planning on taking Spurs on because um, I do think that, that mo- the model is is yet to, to catch up with just how impressive Spurs have been in attack. Obviously, defensively, like I said, they've still got issues um, and Burnley is still yet to get clicking. But for me, over two and a half is, is the main play here. Well, that was our 10th and final game of game week six. Some great games to look forward to. And as always, some great analysis from you, Jake, with a little bit of help from the InfoGoal model as well. I appreciate your time as always, as I'm sure our listeners do as well. So, so thanks for coming on. Uh, been a pleasure be back again next week that's it we we keep going keep going um 
If you do like what you listen to today, then, then make sure that you've subscribed to the Pinnacle podcast on your preferred platform. You can find out more about InfoGoal and use them as a tool to help empower your predictions by following at InfoGoal app on Twitter, visiting infogold.net and downloading the app on iOS and Android. Head over to pinnacle.com for all of the latest Premier League odds. Good luck with any bets and remember to always gamble responsibly.